Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Mad Mamluks. We've got an exciting show for you today, but before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, those guys that pay our bills. First of all, um, if you are working and you have money, you want to make sure that money is in good hands. So for that, we have Wahed Invest. So put your money there. Don't put it in the Haram savings accounts. Otherwise, unless you want to go to war with Alana's messenger. Once you got money, then you got to get married, right? So go to halfardeen.com, get hooked up there. Stay away from the club, go to halfardeen.com. And then after you get married, you know, you might die at some point. So you want to make sure your assets, you don't want to make sure, you know, the, your wife doesn't become a Christian or something. You can like put that in your will and you can do that through mywasia.com and we will have a description in the show notes with a discount uh, for Mad Mom Luke subscribers. So now getting started on the show, I want to, first of all, this is Mahin and I'm here with my co-host, Sheikh Hamar Saeed and Sim. And today's show, we are uh, blessed to be in the company of a good friend of ours, Asrar Ahmed, who is a federal investigator. And also on the board of the oldest masjid in Illinois. Um, so I think he's a unique person to talk about the subject that we're going to talk about today with some of the issues that we are finding uh, throughout the U.S. as far as uh, some of the drama happening with masjid boards and maybe people of religious authority getting, you know, you know, in some hanky get, panky situations, getting caught with their pants down. Yeah, all right. Just literally, throw it out there. Yeah, just throw it out there. We can't, we can't dance with our words in this. I don't episode. think they're actually getting caught with their pants down. People are well hearing about them with their or pants. reading about it. Right. <laughs> well, I start. How did you get involved with mustard board work? Yeah. So first of all, let me thank you guys for having me here. I just want to say quickly that um, I was there the night this idea of Mad Mamluks was conceived, Ooh, and I believe they were, were using their. Uh, the Apple headphones to record the first head, uh, episode or something. Wow, like that. yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, so I was there for that, and uh, you've been away for a while, but uh, congratulations on all your success. I want to say, I is this the kind of conceiving that happens through lovemaking? <laughs> it's um, this is almost three years ago, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been it's been some time. Uh, wow. But I was there when the idea was uh, being kicked around, and mm. for the record. I think I was the one who said this is a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think you're not wrong. <laughs> it's too uh, late now, though. <laughs> but, you know, and on a serious note, before we begin, I want to say that um, although I, uh, I'm a federal investigator, uh, anything that I say here <clears throat> or any hypothetical situations that we go through as we discuss um, these, uh, the serious uh, topic are solely my own. They don't represent the position or the opinion or the... Um, you know, any, any type of uh, uh, situation with the federal government. And so these are these viewpoints solely my own. Uh, number two, um, we're going to be speaking, I think, in a hypothetical. So we'll try not to address anything directly as far as these situations go for sensitivity to the victims and to um, the people involved. But, you know, these situations have to be discussed. So, yeah, any um, any relation to active investigations is purely coincidental. The names and all events are all made up made up yeah right yeah so you're on a you've got a pretty good job like why why in god's name would you join a mustard board <laughs> uh so <laughs> so our, our our previous president i mean we're on a um i just i've worked with across two presidents now at the masjid um he was a little bit older um he's obviously still with us but he's a little bit older but uh he really believed in empowering the youth and uh, you know there's always the argument when these old people gonna get off the board and let the youth do something 
Um, and so the last president actually made an effort to do that. And so I think at that time, this was like three years ago, there were about six or seven youth that joined the board, which is huge on a board of 20 people. Um, and then, you know, uh, our new president's like, I think, 40. So it's pretty young relatively for being on a masjid board. And so he continued the legacy of carrying on with the youth. And we still have uh, about that many uh, board members. But we have uh, uh, committee leaders that are also young. So, um, yeah, so we're, this is kind of in with the new and fresh ideas. Yeah, man. I walked into the uh, board room. I know some of them. I didn't even know some because some of them are younger than me. Some of them are like five years younger than me. So it was pretty awesome. Yeah, it's I mean, refreshing. We can, can we say the name of your masjid? Is that okay? Or? Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. I so you're with MCC, um, and that's probably the first masjid we went to when we were kids. Yeah. Even before. It was the first one, especially with mega masjids, right? I mean, yeah. Definitely. Sunday schools, this, that. That's what Khadi Abdul Basit came in the mid 80s to come and recite. You know, it was pretty, pretty. Oh, I didn't know that. Always happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that yeah. Masjid is a, they call it the mother of masjids. Yeah, and YouTube, yeah. when you see the background in red, that's MCC, where Khadi Abdul Basit is reading. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then MEC is also under MCC jurisdiction, right? It was founded later. Yeah, so you have MCC, then you have MEC, then you have a high school now, you have two full-time schools there. You know, it's about three, four buildings. Um, so it's expanding. It's a, it's a, it's one of the it's one of the bigger masjids. So that's why uh, this topic that we're going to delve into is yeah. important for this masjid as much as it is for any masjid across America. Agreed. Let's just jump into it. You being a board member and you hear about some kind of abuse happening, at your mosque how do you handle that yeah and you being an attorney too so it comes you know it's a lot coming from you yeah so i just want to since we we named the masjid alhamdulillah and um and, and where i'm at uh, i just want to say uh, alhamdulillah you know in my experience in my experience um in the past three years there has never there hasn't been a complaint right such activity in our masjid so alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. for that and alhamdulillah Allah protect the masjid going I mean, forward I mean. you know um but you know i think that <clears throat> you mentioned one thing that uh, there's a legal matter. But I think if you dissect the situation into two parts, there's a cultural matter, and then there's a legal matter that comes afterwards. So from the masjid perspective, of course, liability is a huge thing because you know if some, certain acts are done by a masjid employee, or if something's done inside the masjid space, you know, you're pretty much bound to liability for across a lot of various theories. But um, but the other problem is, I think what the, the, some of the the groups that have sprung up are trying to address is in what what type of culture has to exist in order for this type of behavior to be bred, you know. So, what kind of uh, religious space is this where you have you know people being molested or raped or or whatever else? Because first comes the the, the situation, then comes the legal action, right? right. right. So legally, you can always set up safeguards, but that doesn't start a criminal because we have laws, which are, we consider our safeguards. We have punishments, you know, just in the world, and you still have crime. So it's a matter of culture. Um, so that's, you know, from my perspective, if I were to address the situation, um, I would say you have to first fix the culture before you arrive at the legal. But you're I talking mean, about the culture of the masjid, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, but... The, don't you think that there could be some kind of pervert that comes to your mosque? You have a great culture going on. You know, I mean, there's, there's a, everyone is, is doing all kinds of activity and, you know, proper implementation of Islamic um, etiquette is being implemented in your mosque. Let's just establish that. But there, it still does not prevent a, a person with a malicious intent 
coming to your mosque and taking advantage of uh, of a child and they and they molest a child all right and they um they run away or they, they get off okay this is not let's just say in this situation this is not a, a person that, that is on the board or you know an employee at the mosque but they're a visitor who comes to the mosque and they perform something um some uh, sexual impropriety and then they they take off now the parents find out they report it to asrar what, what does asrar do or do they report it are they supposed to even report to can I just interject yeah. with that? It, like protocol, I think everyone should have an understood protocol. It's, I mean, it sucks we have to talk about this when we're talking about messages. Um, but what should the protocol be? Should they go to Asrar first because he's an attorney? Should they go to the board? Should they go to the head office? Or should they go straight to the police? <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, this complex, a really complex Sorry. question. <laughs> because it's multifaceted. Yeah. So the, the crime itself is heinous. Yeah. What has occurred is you know, un- unforgivable and, and just you don't want to think about it because we all we all have children, yeah. right? Um, or we have spouses yeah. and we're somebody else's spouse. So this, yeah. you know, every, in every way we're connected. Um, but what, if something like this unfortunately does occur, well, from a strategic perspective, um, what you want, the most important thing is preservation of evidence, mm. right? So if, supp- suppose that something does happen to a child, you know, uh, that's uh, you know a molestation or whatever. Um, number one thing is always going to be, I would say, run to the ER because at the ER they can do a lot of testing and things like that off the bat to make sure first of all our child mm. is safe, okay. right? So once we have the child's safety is whatever we can salvage at that point, right? Then you want to make sure you preserve the evidence. Is that irrespective of the timing? Like so, let's say it gets reported like a week after the fact. Like, is, is there a statute of limitations on when you take them to the ER? No, no, there's definitely not a statute of limitations for something like that. Statute of limitations come in, comes into effect in crimes usually um, when you're going to charge somebody. I mean, sorry, uh, probably the wrong term, but like, is there like, because like, if something happens right now and then it gets reported a week later, are they going to find remnants of that on the child a week later? Yeah. So, you know, but That's bi- what I'm saying. yeah, just biologically speaking, you know, between showers and you know things of that nature you usually lose a lot of evidence so as a parent yeah right, you want to be on the ball and and even yeah. even if you know there's no emissions um, or bodily emissions that can be you know preserved you have some kind of record that you know an incident took place and you went to the er for that reason yeah and then you report to the authorities yeah. i'm assuming that's yeah. the yeah. next or step you have traced dna like underneath the fingernails right they swipe they swap on that yeah, yeah. um hair Right, follicles. Mm. You know, you know. There's so many different ways you yeah. can test for that stuff, but you know, before we even get to that, number one thing is: is your child okay? Yeah. Because some sick people out there in the world, and first thing that matters is the victim's well-being. Right. Post crime, so um, number one, I would say get to the doctor and make sure psychologically, mentally, physically that child is or person is safe. Number two gather the evidence and uh, you know hospitals are very well trained even if mustards are not yeah as to what is testable what can be collected and what marks on the skin anything yeah Yeah. then they can record that data for you yeah so 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 if a parent came to you at the mosque and said hey so when something happened to my kid at the mosque you would say take him to the er yeah number one take him to the er we'll call the cops while while you take him to the er or whatever 
get the authorities involved. Is that does that sound right or? Yeah. So you know, so that's from the parents' <coughs> perspective, not from the board's perspective. So I'm a board member. Somebody comes up to me and says, "Hey, something happened." Let's let's use the chi- let's use a child in this example, so okay. we can say consistent. Uh, a child, something happened to my son. He was in a class, and some teacher did something to him. So I would say, "You get to the ER." And we'll help you get in contact with the police. But what if it's as simple as like saying something lewd rather than, because we're talking about extreme case where in the message it's very difficult to find a situation where somebody, I mean, straightforward, let's be straightforward, where they can emit bodily fluids onto a child or a person, right? I mean, that's... But you, you, we have very little to go off of. Like you're talking to a child, right? And yeah. the child doesn't know yeah. even things about like emissions and stuff like that. What I think Asara's thing is, in order to just rule that out, gotcha. you just do that and you t- get that taken care of so that, okay, well, even if it's just a simple matter as a grabbing yeah. situation where somebody just grabbed them over clothes, that, that, that's still okay. I mean, you don't, you're not, um, you're not hurting anyone yeah, yeah, by exhausted the, 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 all you know? of the options. Yeah. So f- by, by taking them to the ER, you've uh, established that an incident took place, not just, and, and then are collecting possible evidence. Hmm. So go on. I'm sorry. You, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Another possible. So now we, that's the biological evidence. So let's move past that because that's something that we wouldn't be involved in. Right. But that's something we want to make sure the well-being of the child. So now you come back and say, well, suppose it's not a situation where it's like, you know, uh, we're body fluids and all that stuff, right? So suppose but it's you, just, you were talking about as a board member. You, you were saying yeah. before you got. Yeah. Right. So now I'm at a board. Now I'm talking from the perspective of a board member. Um, now my job is to make sure I know what evidence is available on my side. Witnesses, number one, um, other children, classmates, teachers, cameras, right? And what we, I'm collecting this not to run my own investigation. And this is where I think my real sticking point with this topic is, is that you know you you know to call the police, you know to go to the hospital. I didn't. That's not a new revelation. I haven't added anything to the conversation. And as a but, board member, you're trained. You know that when you come on the board, this is how we operate, right? <clears throat> not always. Okay. Not always because, you know, these topics are not foreign to some masjids in a good way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but I would say what you want to do is maintain masjid integrity, meaning that you never want to give uh, any portion of your community uh, the ability to say to you that you didn't take this matter seriously. Yeah. Not just optics, but really, you know. Uh, number one, as a board member, you're a custodian of the house of Allah, you know, and whatever happens underneath it to the to the extent that you're privy to it, your job is to make sure that you act in a reasonable manner. Uh, like in the case of your own congregants, it's beyond a reasonable manner. You have to treat them like your own child, yeah. I think. Um, so independence is what I was going to get to. You know, when the masjid does this kind of stuff, you should facilitate the gathering of the data. But I don't think that you should be the body that evaluates the data. That's my big sticking point. Mm. I think that there should always be an independent third party who gives you the clear. And honestly, shouldn't that, I mean, but wouldn't the police just tell you like, hey, we need need X, Y, and Z. We need um, video surveillance. Uh, We need witnesses, you know. Wouldn't they just tell you as a board member that, hey, get gather all these pieces of evidences for me. I need you to turn over evidentiary pieces. Yeah, so the, the police would guide you to what it would take to prove that a crime has been committed. Yeah. Reasonable suspension, reasonable doubt, right? So why would you... Now, you were talking about a third party. 
What's that? He's saying you're not interpreting. You're not. You're not interpreting the evidence. Yeah. So a police officer would say, "Look, um, there was a car accident here." Okay. So, and you say car A struck car B. Okay. Yeah. My that car hit my car, and it's a parking lot. So a police officer looks around, and says, "There's no shattered glass here. Where this car is hit, and where that car is hit, it doesn't make sense, right?" Yeah. Um, and uh, the collision just doesn't make sense to me. There was no crime. Okay. So because they look at everything, the environment wasn't raining. Uh, no one was drinking and driving, ball, whatever. They go through that, right? But there was an accident here. So You know, there was an accident here. So what you want is you want an independent third party to go through the data and come to a conclusion as to whether or not there could have been something that happened here because we're dealing with a life. And but who is it that you're referring to as third party? Sorry to cut you off. Who's the third party? So there are a lot of different places um, that do this kind of stuff. There's, there's, you know, what ends up happening and masjids aren't big enough yet, Okay. But if you look at what happens like in the uh, in the Catholic Church and in other places, uh, they hire law firms. And when you have when you have um, when you have corruption instead of corporations, right? You have government agencies that are are responsible for um, how corporate governance, right? Are corporations stealing money and all that stuff? Well, why is it that not every time this happens, it's not it's not revealed by a government agency? What happens is a board member on the board of the com- corporation will say, "I think there's malfeasance in the company." So what the board will do is organize and hire a law firm to come out and go through all the corporate governance procedures, follow the data, trail the data, you mm. know, uh, essentially perform an audit. Yeah, but but you know, a real one, right. because they're trying to get to something. Whereas an audit generally says, "Hey, you're doing what you're supposed to do with your rules or whatever." But these guys are actually con- conducting an investigation. Yeah, mm. you know, they're they're interviewing people, you know, they're taking recorded statements, you know, those kind of things. Okay, um, so. In terms of what a lot of the organizations that are starting up across the country, and you don't have to name any if you don't want, but <clears throat> is that what they're doing? So some of these um, Muslim organizations that are actively working to uh, introduce some um, some kind of some kind of a third space for victims to go to in regards to sexual abuse. Yeah. So um, unfortunately, uh, in a lot of different ways. Um, the people who have been the subject of these types of topics have been leaders in the community. You know, uh, some big names come to mind. I won't say them here, but so what happens is that it's really quick for the victim to become um, a, a black sheep in the community. Uh. So that's why I say independence is really important. Because what if somebody comes up to you and says, and um, oh, you know, like this family has been in this generation, generationally established the masjid. Now their grandfather, you know, did something to their child. Well, the Musallis and everyone else in general is going to say, no, I have dinner at these people's houses. No, yeah. I know these people. Yeah. No, my family married into this family. There's yeah. no way this family did it. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah, you know, that kind of evidence is not evidence of anything. Yeah. It's still very likely it could have happened. I mean, it's still, it still could have happened, not that it's likely. Um, and so in recent situations, you've seen that, you know, where some of the much of the crowd stands up for a person. How? Just because he said no? I've never met a criminal that says yes. <laughs> You're right. You know? Um, and you know one other thing to remember about um, these these crimes is that they're behavioral crimes. So let me give you an example. Murder could happen in a there's a there's a type of murder. It's called um uh, God I'm slip, the name slip, slipping my mind, but it's called like um, depraved heart, you know, or, or, or uh, heat of passion, heat of passion. Uh-huh. That you know what happens is you just see you walk in you see something. That you shouldn't see, you know, and your all of a sudden, you, yeah, your, your mind flips and you go and uh, you, you kill somebody. I, completely 
you know, it, uh, you just, it's not you. It's out of body experience. You did kill him. You do go to jail for it. But the court says it's not premeditated. You didn't walk into the room thinking you're going to plan this to kill somebody, right? Mm-hmm. People who, who uh, you know, go after women and children and, you know, things like this, it's a profile of a person. Um, so what happens is they operate within a culture. They get the trust of the people. Then they get the trust of, you know, so the, the Musallis at large. They walk in and they're just like, you're like, wow, this person is untouchable. He's like, you know, he's infallible. It's okay, good. Now you got the community's trust. Then you move to a smaller circle, your target circle. Maybe it's a class you teach. Right? Is that what they refer to as a target circle? I'm Basically, saying, okay. I'm, I'm saying that. Sorry, I'm just... <laughs> yeah, no, but it's like a target circle. So now you you mid- picture a target. Sorry. Yeah, because look, whatever you're going to do, you can't do in open space. Yeah. Right. <laughs> sorry. We're still thinking about the target <laughs> circle. <laughs> ADD kicking in. Sorry. Yeah. Well, target is that a legal <laughs> term? <laughs> well, target target is going to sponsor the show now, right? Yeah. I was just trying to describe you something simple. Yeah. Yeah, bit. but you want to move from a larger place to an isolated situation. Yeah. You, but you need to cross those lines through trust. So you, there's a level of, you know, uh, this person's like a, you know, a, a sociopath, <laughs> you know, and that, but knows. And, so are you saying generally they're not reckless with it? They think about it very, very carefully. And that's basically the profile of the person. <laughs> you know, um, I'm trying to think of a way to analogize the desire to do it without linking the scenario. Like um, if a kid really wants candy, his desire of it leads him to do things that he would never do otherwise, right? Like yeah. he'll come up with creative arguments, yeah. you know, or whatever else. So this person, you know, um, and I don't know if calling them mentally ill is giving them a free pass because I don't want to give them a free pass as in you were, you made a conscious effort to do this. I don't want to give them an excuse, mm, but this person has what tricky. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not going to go there, but this person has this whatever urge yeah. to commit this act. So now he's going to get creative to figure out a way to do it, mm. you know, um, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Was it the position of being a leader that led him to become narcissist and want to, you know, kind of like go through the situation? Or was it the fact that he's already been this way and he found himself to become a You know, and I'm telling you, I think the, the Catholic Church is, is a great, uh, not great. I'm not, I'm not sure it's great because the Catholic Church had a widespread problem throughout the country. And, um, a lot of researchers came to the conclusion it's because of their the nature of celibacy and how it's implemented in in Catholicism that kind of led towards that that abuse, you know. And mm. I, I don't think that's a same apples to apples comparison in our community. And I know there are people who are trying to make that correlation that you know um, that do masjids in America have a sex abuse problem, and it's not, I think that's a stretch. It's not that. It's not that I was gonna. I wasn't going there. What I was saying, though, no, is, but 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 when you do comparisons to that, people automatically start thinking along that lines. Well, you know what? Maybe it's not just one or two victims, and maybe it may not be. You yeah. know, but but they might. They're indicating at a an epidemic type scenario. You know, and I don't think it, that is the case here. I think these are situations that are happening that are isolated, but it happens. You know, yeah, and there are people who. Seek to make them much more bigger than they actually are. I see what you're saying. You know, they're not apples to apples to the extent that we're talking about the actual crime as in, you know, rape. But as far as the the old boys culture um, that's prevalent, because uh, where do these people, most people come from? They come from back home. And so 
now they're exposed to a situation where, you know, women aren't equals, but they didn't grow up that way. It's, so it's tough. Yeah. You know, I, I've been, I've been witness to conversation that made me really uncomfortable. And it, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a scenario where I think that a crime was committed for sure. But it was indecent. You know, like the, like one of the people that I know really well, like me, said something to uh, that I, a sister that I was sitting next to. And I was like, at, at, at worst, that's tasteless. You know, I mean, at best, that's tasteless. And at worst, that's, you know, it's creepy. And, you know, I, you know, in my situation, the, I think the, the right response is she should be able to slap you. <laughs> you know, I mean, a lot of times those, those problems were solved that way, right? You, yeah. You, somebody gets harassed at the masjid. Her brothers come. They knock the dude out, mm-hmm. and you know, and it's game's over. I didn't know you to call the police, and the guy knows what's up. I had to do that once. Yeah, <laughs> so um, it was it was not pretty. <laughs> but yeah, I think a lot of some juicy out. details after yeah. this. Yeah, there'll be like an offline convo that like you guys will not be privy to. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, like I um, one thing I'll tell you is that one the one thing I didn't think that I one thing I didn't think was would be helpful just because it's corny. Was you know those training scenarios, situations where they tell you like how to behave in certain situations, um, and having like consultants come out, you know? Yeah. But I'll tell you, like in a workplace, um, that might not be as uh, as necessary. But when you have a situation where gender divide is the norm, like in a masjid, and then now you have a situation where a lot of masjids are more free flowing, not in the not in the mosque area, obviously, but just in the hallways, the, right. the community events or whatever. I don't know. I think some of those lines from those training courses may not be a bad thing. You know, they, oh, it I makes agree. sense. It makes I sense agree. where they should be applied. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, uh, and now the responsibilities of imams and other other employees at the at a mosque, when you have, especially when you add on to the fact that there's a public school that's been integrated to a mosque, that role is growing. And now there's a lot of interactions between people of the opposite gender. And there's... Uh, Meetings that are happening, oftentimes in closed doors. What do you? You're, you're referring to private schools, right? Because mosques that are that have impl- or integrated a or implemented a private school yeah. segment to their of course things that, that they offer, right? Yeah. Because nowadays a mosque can't just just be a mosque. Yeah. I mean, it can, but you're just kind of your your whole goal of a mosque is to community center. Uh, yeah, be a community center, be a place for education, everything. everything. Yeah, all yeah, everything. But you know, this is where Sheikh Amr's uh, uh, expertise comes in because this is the this is the residual Islamic question. Because you know, even with the Me Too movement, you have people on the on the right saying, "Well, now my sons have to be scared, right? Because everywhere I go and every situation they're going to be in, a woman can accuse them of raping them, right? That's what yeah. they're saying. Yeah. On the left, they're saying. That if a woman comes across and says she's been raped, then you have to believe her. And the extremes, I'm saying. Yeah. And most people are somewhere in between. So you have in the mosques the same thing because Islam itself says to you that in that are the answers for these gender relation problems. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when you try to apply them verbatim, right, as written, a lot of women their their issue with that is that uh, when you have these meetings and you have these situations where men and women separated or whatever, that the women are marginalized in a sense that, you know, I think uh, one of the examples given was that um, there was a big meeting and uh, and the meeting split for Salah time and the leaders of the committee were men, right? Yeah. And the women were also in the committee. Um, and so the men uh, after Maghrib Salah just stayed behind uh, at the, in, in the, the masjid and started chilling. And just started chilling. And in that, they had some important conversations and the women felt like, 
hey, we can't join you in the masjid area. You guys are discussing important issues as it pertains to the committee. You know, in a casual talk, in a casual you're no talk. longer in a meeting. Now you're just like buddies. Now you guys are talking about important things. Yeah. Right. So, you know, and so how, how do we reconcile the Islamic uh, answer solution with the with the women's concerns? I mean, that's the issue that uh, in the masjid, uh, I, I don't have. You know, I think for the listeners, too, I think uh, one thing we have to understand is that these issues have always taken place as far as all the way from harassment on a light level even though nothing harassment is light but let's say non-touching like verbal harassment uh even like uh you know cues and body language all the way from that to from weird looks to verbal harassment to touching light touching to molestation to raping all all that's always happened everywhere in all places and obviously it's not the majority of human beings there's always a very very small group of people that do that so when you talk about masjid you have to understand that the masjid is a place full of human beings and you're going to have even though you shouldn't have to expect it but there's you're always going to have some people there that are going to be a little <coughs> deviated right right uh whether it's deviated sexually or they say we're taught manners right and the point that interests me uh what you're saying is that when there aren't uh, lines drawn out of how men and women conduct themselves, there can be certain guys that have just a certain tone of voice. And when they talk to a woman, the woman may think that he's hitting on her or something or some he's there's some innuendo occurring. Right. So um, that's why you should, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, when he's even referring to women in Surah Al-Hazab, uh, he says, فَلَا تَخْطَعْنَ بِالْقَوْلِ فَيَطْمَعَ الَّذِي فِي قَلْبِهِ مَرَضٍ he says to women, when you talk to men, don't talk in a very breathy, flowery voice. Because for men, cues, you know, verbal cues are very, very interesting, you know, and we could discuss this some other time. But uh, so if a woman is extra nice or just nicer to a man, most men or many men will think, wait, I think she likes me. Mm -hmm. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very, very clear when he says to the women, when you speak, just speak with uh, uh, clarity, things that you have to talk about, and don't use a voice. Don't be overly joking. Because try, get, try being, uh, try be mon as monotonous as, as possible. monotonous as possible. Even like, <laughs> I mean, I see some Muslim women hold it down in the Muslim world when they're talking to men, especially like at a cash register. They're like almost rude, right? And they do that intentionally because they know uh, what what can possibly occur. Um, and the same thing I think goes with men also. Um, I think men, we have to, if we have to be in a situation of a meeting where you're talking with women and stuff, I think we have to try to be as serious as possible, even though it can get very comfortable. But everybody, if you talk to five different women in the same tone of voice, some of them may perceive it differently. Or, you know, so, um, you know, I think that being said, that's always been there. That's always going to be there. And the Quran talks about it in detail. Um so we shouldn't think that, oh, now all of a sudden masjids have this major problem. No, this problem has been a societal problem from the beginning of time to the, and it's going to be there to the end of time. But, but I think you come from a very unique position as an employee at a mosque. Yeah. And at a school. I mean, yeah. yeah. At the sc at school. Yeah. At a private school of a mosque, right? Yeah. How, how has recent events changed the way you or even the faculty at the mosque operate? You know, uh, that's a great question because uh, private schools generally are very sheltered. So it really doesn't even, you kind of just have like simple talk about it amongst yourselves. But nobody really talks about it. I mean, you have harassment training right, and all that kind of stuff. But you're in m more of a unique position as a 
counselor and, and a, someone who's a, not just a teacher, but also. I mean, I'm not really a counselor, but I, mean, I, I, mean, I, get, I get a chance to. Yeah, uh, your talk interaction about. with students may end up leading to a counseling session. Yeah, you know? possibly. Okay. Yeah, um, but I think that uh, it's. I don't think private schools are really affected by it too much. Um, we try to take as many precautionary measures as possible, even with the boys and girls. They can't talk in the hallways unless they're being supervised by a teacher. They can't be talking alone yeah. unless a teacher is supervising them. Um, you know, um, I have to teach female students too, and I have to uh, make sure that uh, my class is very different when there's female. It's just the way things work. People don't like hearing this, but the dynamics change. Yeah. Right when you have all males, the dynamic is a certain way, which is what I prefer, is because there's certain things I could talk about without having the females feel uncomfortable. But there has been situations where things are very, you know, sexual in nature or something in the Quran is mentioned um, that uh, refers to how, you know, how you go about uh, whether it's marital relations with your wife or whatever the case is. And if it's an Islamic question, I have to remind them, listen, before I begin, as matters of knowledge and deen, there's no reason to be extra overly bashful because you have to be, you can't be ambiguous when you answer a question Islamically, right? You have to be very straightforward. The reason why that has to be mentioned is so nobody gets any mixed messages, you know, um, when you're explaining something. And you have to make sure you're looking directly at the guy side when you're explaining those things. Right, right. right. So it's very, very important, I think. Extremely important. But as far as any closed-door meetings, has... Did you... Do I have to sit alone with a woman in a closed-door meeting? No. Alhamdulillah. No. Okay. Alhamdulillah. I mean, how how is MCC handling it? Are are there any closed-door sessions happening? No, you know, from my experience and from what I've seen, even with my own eyes, um, there there aren't. And if there are, um, they leave the door open. Yeah, you know, but just that's just a bad idea. Yeah, no, <laughs> even with that's us, a bad idea in class with students. Like you do, tu- like some teachers are tutoring after school. They have to make sure that both the teacher and student are visible from the window. Right, you can't be like in a corner. Yeah, you have to make sure they're both visible. Both students have to be able, student and teacher have to be able to see the exit, yeah. and people should be able to see them. Right. Um, and doors should obviously be opened and, you know, all that good stuff. Um, it should never be closed. It should never be hidden away. Those are all things that we all have to just be a part of protocol, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I think that, you know, it's kind of, we hit a lot of different topics. Like, I, I think that we should just, from like a community and a Muslim perspective, like, and a Muslim perspective, somebody arrives to you and they say that, hey, we have... Uh, uh, situation here let's say you know and what happened we let's leave that out for now um what should i do if it warrants it take the kid to the hospital or the you know the person to the hospital um in the meantime start preserving evidence and get the authorities involved off the bat you know my opinion um but you have to understand one thing for you to take this kind of flight you know start putting these things into motion you have to have a culture where you believe the victim yeah you know that's the important thing and believe the victim to the extent that you don't take aim at the perpetrator yet because you don't want to start things, you know, that are that are haram, like um, uh, backbiting um, and just making up things behind, you know, yeah. just making up things. Uh, assumptions are very dangerous. Yeah, assumptions, suspicions. Very you don't want dangerous. to start arousing yeah. those kind of things either. But you know what? You do the right thing procedurally yeah. and it'll lead you to the truth. So, you know, uh, preserving evidence, uh, like I said, uh, getting people that are of authority involved off the bat, um, and then you know um, the medical exams, things like that, um, and witnesses. Witnesses are a big thing because you know um, giving false testimony in Islam is hundred percent, you know, you and game ender for you, right, right? If you do that, and legally, you know, you, you, you can be obstruction of justice. Yeah, you know, it's a crime in itself. 
So both ways, witnesses are, are, are very important. What if a situation arises where somebody at the mosque, doesn't matter whether they're an employee of the mosque or not, a visitor maybe, they just grab the kid. They they did in, a, in propriety something that is clearly illegal um, or maybe maybe it's not clearly illegal. And they just come and they tell you, Asrar, that, hey, um, I'm reporting this thing happened from so-and-so individual at my mosque. I'm not sure if it's a big big deal about reporting it to the police, but, you know, let's just say he, he, he grabbed one of his private parts, right? And um, I'm just reporting it to you, and I, I don't know if I want to make a big big fuss about it. How would you handle it? Me, I mean, I'm probably the worst person to ask. <laughs> no, mainly because um, once I know, I call the police. You know, I, 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 it's not a joke to me. You know, um, you may not want to report it for purposes of not letting the 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 community find out or whatever for taboo purposes. I'm looking at it from a perspective of a this kid's welfare. Um, number two, is this guy going to do it against somebody else? Yeah. Right. I mean. It's other people's children. Yeah. Um, and number three, to, when you have a school and a masjid uh, combined, you have, you know, you get into that situation of uh, not that we are, but mandatory reporters. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, and, and that's the key word, mandatory reporting. I think that's what's missing from the the minds of everyone who could possibly be involved in a situation like this. You have to know the mandatory reporting laws. Yeah, schools like as far as harassment is concerned, and 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 uh, you know domestic violence on a child. Like if you're suspicious that a child is being abused by his parents, like physically, you don't even contact the board of the school. You have to go straight to the authorities. Wow. Yeah, you can't you can't involve anybody else. You got to go straight. If you're if you see some marks on a child, and especially you have to ask them like, hey, how did this happen? And all that you don't talk to anybody in the school. You go straight to, you know the uh, DCFS, uh, and uh, that's that's how you have to deal with it because no one else is going to be able to deal with that. It's out of everybody's jurisdiction. Um, and one thing I, I want to mention is the reason why we have to give this a little bit of context is we come from a culture where when you meet people, you hug them. Some cultures, you kiss people on the cheek, whether you're men or women, right? And some cultures, you know, um, where you see men, they don't really kiss on the cheek, but they make a kissing thing like the French do, you know, the on your cheek and stuff and hugging and that's why it can be a little tricky sometimes you know um that's why you know it, a lot of people don't like to hear this because it go, goes against culture Muhammad you know in a hadith authentic hadith he said the best way for us to greet each other is the handshake a good handshake you know it avoids all issues and avoids all uh, a lot of problems i still remember um even in the muslim world man when people talk to the children they say if somebody's hugging you for too long let us know you know, they shouldn't be hugging you for too long. <laughs> but that's a problem, especially if it's a stranger, you know. Some of those Eid, Eid hugs do get weird here. Yeah, they do. You know, but uh, shaking the hand is good, except Muhammad used to do a hug while traveling, which was different. You know, when he came back from a travel or, and he was meeting the Sahaba or something, they would do a hug. And one of the narrations says that they would kiss each other's shoulders. You know, there, there was a, there, that's what he used to do. But other than that, it was always handshaking, you yeah. know. And it's, it's a good practice to have to teach your children, especially if you don't know somebody. Um, and that's why it's tricky, man, because you come from a culture where everyone's supposed to be brothers and sisters. And, and I can imagine now after you have children, you can imagine now how people that you don't know. And obviously, we have to be clear. It's not a majority of people. It's this very, very small group of people. But we don't know 
um, who's who, and we don't know what their motives are when they're hugging your child and all that kind of stuff, you know? Can but, I just... Go ahead. I just want to um, just tie it back together from the, the youth perspective. And I was saying that MCC is really... Um, progressive in this matter because they have a bunch of youth on the on the board and just in leadership positions and the committees and etc. Because you know the the hardest part about this uh, to get people to come forward is to remove the taboo. So at least from the, uh, on behalf of MCC, I'd like to say that um, you know if you ever gone through something like this in, in you know in the masjid or anywhere else, number one, um, you're not going to be judged, inshallah, from at least from you know my own perspective. Yeah. Number one, number two, we have to get to the truth. You know. Um, so come come forward. We'll keep our confidence. Um, you know, I, I think all musters should be saying this, right? Yeah. Um, is that uh, you may want to identify how it happened or who it happened with, but um, but you have to come forward. Uh, number three, your your spiritual and emotional, physical well being are really important to us. Yeah, far yeah. important than anything else. Yeah. yeah. And number four, when you get through it, you're a survivor, not a tabooed person. You know, things like divorce and all these things used to be so taboo, but you know, it's part of the human experience. Yeah. And uh, people sometimes can't control the situation they've been in. Yeah. And, you know, all, some, sometimes we have those uh, laws between how men and women should behave and all these different things. But sometimes dudes, are, you know, people out there are just criminals. Yeah. As in you do everything you can from niqab and hijab and all those things and or have a beard. People yeah. always yeah. find a way. You know, yeah, and these weasels find, find, a, way, find right? a way to come in. So <laughs> I think that even getting into like, you know, what should we do? And sometimes it's just not your fault. Yeah, you know, and, and and you know, and if you're a victim, it's not your fault. Yeah, that's you know? the problem. Yeah. A lot of but but what is your fault is if you don't handle it correctly. Like you don't know, you didn't educate your board or the people in your institution on how to educate. What is protocol? Yeah, well, what the protocol is yeah. when you, when you hear about these type of situations, like as far as said, like if a parent tells you something happened to their kid, whether they want to report to the police or not, it becomes irrelevant. You told me, now I have to tell them. Yeah, because right, right, public safety is the number one concern. Your child's safety is the number one concern. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry if it might get you disinvited from some family parties for a little bit, but that child is yeah, our future. Live with that for the rest yeah. of life. Yeah, and he's our future, and yeah. so we want to make sure that we, you know, we, we take care. Okay, of Okay, I, I want to like, like talk about something. You mentioned a point about like not blaming the victim, and we talked. We're talking in the context of a child, but we've always talked about spiritual abuse on this podcast before in the last year, like the. Similar, it happened. It could happen in the framework of an Islamic organization. So, um, it, it's no secret. We'll put it out there on our show. We've talked about like when it comes to issues of females engaging, being you know whatever, having some situation with someone in religious leadership. We have victim blamed. Um, it, like I don't know if you've heard those shows or not, but we've said stuff like you know it takes two to tango, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you know, all this kind of stuff. Knowing what you know now and what's developed in our, in America, not even just like the recent cases or what's happened in the last couple of years, what's your take on that? Like, where do we go wrong or do you agree with us? No, see, that's 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 why I was saying we have to divide this conversation to culture and, and yeah. legal process, right? Um, uh, victim blaming is a type of harassment, right? You know, we're talking about how you, the, when you bring up a certain term, you know, you have to ask, what do you mean by that term? Yeah. Right. So when you say victim blaming, does what I, the sense that I get from it is that are you such an old boys club that when somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, something like this has happened to me," you say, "Yeah, yeah, get used to it or get out of here." Right. Yeah. That's that's the victim blaming that we're talking about. Of course, okay, the men and women like each other, right? So you may have a situation where 
two people meet, they like each other, love goes sour. If you think I'm making it up, read legal cases, you know, hundreds and thousands of legal cases of love stories gone wrong. And one person blames the other for a yeah. lot of different things. But what I'm saying to you uh, from a board perspective, I'm not the jurist, right? So when it comes to me, I will treat it as something bad happened to this person. As a civilian, yeah. That's right. She's She, he, child, whoever it is, right? It's coming to me with the grievance. How do I ensure this grievance is handled in the most independent and fair manner with while it's in my hands, you know? Because the police might investigate and say, oh, you you know let's just let's 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 make the let's make the guy the victim so it doesn't sound as you know um thing so the guy says you know this this girl um she slapped me you know whatever or she said i look really cute and it made me uncomfortable so he comes to us so now we go to the police the police might come back and say no you know this guy's blaming this girl it turns out that actually he made a pass on her right oh uh, so now you're like okay well we can't believe everyone's story off the cuff but when an allegation comes to us, how do we how do we treat it? Mm. You yeah, know, it's very important. Yeah. You know, um, so but, you see what I'm, do you see what I'm saying? So so people bit. at the mosque will, or somebody who who didn't handle the the, the situation correctly, they'll okay. say, well, what about you know institutions like like schools where bullying happens or, or a fight breaks out? Uh, people don't report that to the police. Like how? I mean, does it? Is it the same because it's not like um, sexual abuse is different from from just physical violence that happens at a school? Basically, assault and battery and sexual harassment and battery linked to sexual stuff. Is that different, you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. It's different to the extent that we are not... A, like, look, if somebody gets bullied and they get beat up, yeah. the bruises and stuff are there. You just, you know, it's done, yeah. right? But when you're talking about things like, you know, making somebody feel uncomfortable, harassment... Yeah, these things are hard to prove. We're not equipped, yeah, you know, to to go through uh, these situations. And so say, even that, as a simple matter of harassment, and let's just say it's sexual harassment, okay? Yeah. Um, somebody reports it to you at at, at your board. What do you do? You report that as well to the to the cops? It depends. I mean, it it, it depends on the, to the extent uh, of the harassment, right? I mean, but in I'm thinking from your perspective as what you're liable for, what your job is. I mean, th I'm thinking if I was working at, on a board tomorrow, any type of anything where sex hyphen or sexual hyphen abuse or, you know, um, impropriety happening, I'm just going, I'm just picking up the phone and calling the cops. Like, let's sort this out because you came to me. You, now I have to do something about it. I can't, I'm not going to be an investigator and try to sort out what's uh, fact from fiction Who's telling the truth? Who's not? Yeah, it's a very tricky situation, man. Because sometimes you have to be like, is it really? Like, I want to know. And when, I think when we take upon that situation, it becomes dangerous. Like, if somebody comes up to you, and I know you asked me the question, but it's, it's, it's related to this. Somebody comes up to you and says, or comes up to me or any of us, and if we're working at a masjid, somebody says, uh, I think this person is sexually harassing me. That's very different than this person is sexually harassing me. Now, as a problem-solving being, as a human being, I think where it's very, very dangerous is when we try to be like, okay, let's find out if this was sexual harassment or not. And that's almost like almost like a natural thing to do as a human being, but it shouldn't be us doing that, right? Yeah, you, you, you've got, at the end of the day, cover your own butt. 
Yeah, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. like, I'm you gotta protect yourself because yeah, if but you. So, so should people not even be coming to the mustard board? They should go straight to the police. I mean, that I don't, should be the conversation, right? Well, that's that. As a parent, I'm thinking that's the most obvious thing. Yeah. Like, why would you even call anyone? Call the cops. People are so used to going to their messages for everything and counseling and because right, right. And, okay. Yeah. And, uh, granted, but I think given by, uh, given the what Asrar has said, it seems like the most logical and most efficient technique is. Just picking up the phone, calling the cops, letting them sort sort out what the what the nature is. You want to make sure you first. I mean, obviously, you want justice for the victim, right? Yeah. But you also want to make sure that you're not yeah. liable for any type of uh, yeah. uh, you know indiscretion or, or some kind of. But here, but you know, let's let's take it back for a second because um, you know this this happens in masjids. I've seen it happen in masjids. You have cat calling men when there's a you know a, a, a hallway that's. Uh, that's yeah. both men and women, right? Yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. You know, that's sexual harassment. Do we call the police? No. You know, because what you want to do in that situation is remove the person. Yeah. Simp- that, that's a simple way out. When I say call the police right away, I'm talking about abuse. Something's gone down. You know, yeah. something is, this is, you, and we know the difference, you know, right, hopefully, right. Yeah. you know, that we, we know the difference between uh, those two things. But you know, when this chaos happens between, should I call the police? Should I not call the police? Does this rise to the level of that? Is we don't have protocol. Mm. So that's why I was saying that somebody to come and help you establish policies and procedures. Because suppose that you have the situation where um, employee of the masjid tells a female co-worker, uh, come sit in my lap while we discuss this. Pretty bad. That's borderline. Say it again? Come yeah. sit in my lap oh, while come, we discuck oh, this. Yeah, right. Okay, this happens, pretty fast, this happens in office spaces. Right. Yeah. So uh, suppose that happens and the woman's like, you're crazy. I'm out of here. Yeah. Now she comes and reports it to you. Now, this is more than just a cat call. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And this is but it's not exactly, you know, rape. Yeah. Right. So where are you right now? Do you call the police or not? Do you fire the employee or not? Is it just a rougher man in documentation or not? These are the gray areas. I mean, obviously, in this day and range, you get fired. Yeah. That, you know, end of story. How did you lead? What if the guy says, I never said that to her? Yeah. She literally just does not like me because I didn't give her a pay raise last week. Hmm. You know, how do, how do, how do companies and stuff do those kind of investigations yeah. right now? HR. Because yeah. HR does that, right? So policies and procedures are a really big deal. And that's where consulting firms come in and help you do that kind of stuff. So that's what I say is that as a board member, as a community member, as an imam, someone comes to you and says, hey, I have this really sensitive situation. What should I do? Um, you need to have when this occurred like you don't want to fi- look for the fire extinguisher when the building's burning down yeah you should already have know where it is right um and my point is also is that somebody might tell you like hey i have a headache and you're not a doctor but you'll say take a tylenol yeah doesn't take a medical license to tell me hey just stick a tylenol you know sleep it off or whatever right drink some water you might be dehydrated but somebody comes to you and says you know my heart's skipping a beat every you know 10 milliseconds or whatever blah blah that's nuanced yeah. Right, mm. and you should not be the arbitrator. Yeah, you know uh, of of that. Yeah. So that's my point. Is that yeah? Somebody comes in and says, "Hey, I'm cat calling you," and you say, "Hey, dude, get out of my masjid." Yeah. You're yeah. making people uncomfortable. You're making the congregants un- uncomfortable. So the best resolution to this is that you're not allowed in here anymore. If we see you again, you're trespassing. Right. Yeah. And I think we mentioned something really interesting. You know, all alhamdulillah, all the Islamic schools have HR and stuff. Do you think? Because do you, do masjids actually have HR? Wouldn't that make it so much easier? If masjids actually had like an HR? Yeah, yeah, I think that would be the greatest thing ever because even in firing, you have wrongful terminations and, you know, your masjid has had some turnover. 
you know, at, at some levels. I think having an HR department streamlines the whole thing procedurally where yeah. things get, you know, when you hire somebody and you fire somebody, you know, those situations are, are sensitive. Yeah. So you don't want the random Joshua auntie or but, uncle coming. But can HR, obviously if it's a religious institution, HR can extend to all the the people that are congregating in the masjid too, whether they work for the masjid, they don't work for the masjid, right? Generally, that's what HR can do in a private institution, I think. So, you know, you HR can serve a lot of different functions. Generally, HR only deals with employees, employee yeah. matters, right? Yeah. But when you have some, suppose you uh, slip and fall instead of a store, you're not an employee or, you know, or something like that. Or totally. two people, what if two people shopping at a Walmart harass each other? Yeah, you're right. Right? So what happens? So, you, you know, so every company has, you know, some sort of yeah. uh, protocol. What I I'm think saying we need to up our game with an HR in the messages, man. It'll make things so much easier. The reason because they're trained and they know everything. You and I wouldn't have to figure things out. And you, and I think this this topic really matters because what we're trying to do is create the aura, this space where women are trying to are getting into the masjid. You know, we're creating spaces from women. You know, like women, alhamdulillah, have been able to, you know, uh, lead committees now and uh, on the board. And, you know, so all these different things are happening, right? So when you do that, well, you can't have like a bachelor pad, you know, uh, mentality. Yeah, That's right. what I'm saying. You're so right. it comes with the whole package. Yeah. You can't just say, oh, we let's let you on the board. Oh, we let the youth on the board. So now, you know, you have to sit and uh, drink, a, you know, or chai or whatever, you know. Uh, people drink coffee, you know, people drink. I'm saying people's habits are different. People's comfort levels are different and gender by gen, you know, gender by gender. It's uh, it's different and you and new conflicts and stuff happen, too. So um, create a situation where you accommodate for people, not just because uh, by, by word, but through action, too. Yep. One of the situations we have in our community, um, I don't know if, this is the, if, if the Arab community has this problem, but Daisy community has got an epic with shame, shame culture. Like, even if you're wrong, like, I don't want this to get out because it'll shape my family. Yeah. Um, it sounds to me like it's very, if, yeah. if the family came to you and was like, we don't want you to escalate this, even though you already got the scoop as a board member, it sounds to me like you still would be like, sorry, you, we, I still have to, like, call the authorities, right? Yeah, look, depending like, on what it is, right? That's yeah, like, that's again, if it's abuse, then you have to. If it was just, a, like, a cat call, then you don't. Yeah, listen, uh, I've been in situations where, um, off the masjid, okay, where people have, um, you know, own businesses and they know, like, someone's stealing from the business, but that person is, like, a good friend, you know? Mm. So, that's, it's like a plea for help, but that person says, listen, I know this guy's doing this, and you're a lawyer, right? So, what can we do, but I don't want this person to get in trouble? And it's it's serious, because, you know, in one situation, the other person was a person's spouse, was the husband stealing, so, of course, the wife knows eventually her husband's going to get caught. She doesn't want him to continue doing this behavior because if he gets caught, he goes to jail, right? Mm-hmm. But, no, but no one has found out yet. So now it comes to me. What do you do, right? So in that situation, there was no victim. The victim was the business, okay? So it's easier to work through and, and figure out how to do restitution in that situation, yeah. okay? But... Um, if when there's a person involved, it's it's a completely different matter. I know uh, we're we're desi, <laughs> you know, uh, some of us and uh, Bengalis are considered desi, don't are they? Mm. Of course, well, barely. Actually, barely. We yeah. barely know they are. We're, we're actually the East. We're actually Pakistani. They're the Khawarij more more <laughs> separated us. <laughs> I I wasn't gonna say that. <laughs> we're Pakistani. No, you, you gotta get. You know, Mahin. Mahin just says whatever he wants. It's great. That's why we love him. There are a lot of things about our culture 
that's you know that's amazing we add so much value to it but a lot of it we don't need anymore yeah you know we, we just don't need uh, a lot of that uh, you know cultural segregation for no reason and you know ba- what's the point of the baggage you, you know people get depressed and and get suicidal in this community because of uh, being shamed yeah you know seriously after divorce parents don't come out to the community anymore they hide in Behind a wall, the the daughter's locked in a bedroom. I just had to say, I, I know on that level, I know a family whose daughter is just like not married yet, and they stop going to functions because they're so ashamed that she's not married yet. Yeah, no, that that's <laughs> another thing we should rant on, dude. I feel so bad for like, I know some people that have been married for like five years, ten years, don't have any kids yet. I know some girls that aunties go up to them and say, or sons, you know, dudes, how come? Man, I think. Uh, we we have to be uh, number one patient with the older generation because they don't know, but they ask that question. Sometimes people don't want to ask answer that question of why I don't have kids anymore. Like I never understood that. Right? Some why aunties you, be asking if like if, if the yet? dude's oh thing God, works. Oh my God! Five years. It's like <laughs> I'm serious. Some aunties be like, so, th- "Does does this when they're thing alone work? with the girls? Yeah, they're probably yeah. Guys, yeah they were, they're not gonna say it in public, but um, sorry, that's a whole different thing. My apologies for that. <laughs> no, right. I mean, but I, I just don't. I just feel uncomfortable because I've been in a situation. I'm next to a dude. And we asking, they're asking him, "Oh, how come we don't have any kids yet?" I'm like, "Man, why are you asking this in public, dude? Poor guy, man. He just got married a few years ago. You don't know what his situation is." And same thing with aunties. Just blame the it? wife. <laughs> as, no. as the default position of Madman looks, blame the women. Did you guys uh, warn me about when the conversation That's goes off joke, the rails? The <laughs> oh, this is, this is nothing. We're, no, this is nothing. We're actually being very civil right now because we respect you a lot. But after a while, it can get pretty crazy. Just, no, just I, get I, Mahina I, excited, and he can say anything, bro. <laughs> <laughs> He's a firecracker. That, that, yeah, that was a joke. You yeah. don't blame your wife. Yeah, for your totally. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, some some things are warranted. You know, from our culture, where we get blamed for things or yep. whatever, and some things are just you know. Um, but you know what? It's crazy. You see that that same kind of thing at a different level exists in American culture. Oh yeah, it does. Right? I well, mean, of course, it's not just a Daisy thing. So I it's mean, I, I apologize to Daisy people and aunties and uncles for yeah. for saying it that way. But it's when you just watch every this Kav- culture has this that. Kavanaugh hearing. Yeah. Forget about what happened with you know. I mean, some people might be really upset about it. So, but you know, God, it's like this is the process of the Congress of the United States. It's a it's 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 embarrassing. Yeah. It's a sham, yeah. <clears throat> you know, um, because the truth is what should matter. Yeah, not the horse and pony. Truth yeah. seekers, you're right. Not, not the yearbook. Yeah, I mean yeah. <laughs> yearbook in the schedule. Seventy eighty four. Seventeen year old yearbook. Yeah. What was that? I yeah, was just like so, yeah. yeah. But so, you know, um, it, it, I I know that we're uh, going off topic a little bit. But uh, another thing that we have to put in perspective, what I see from young kids and children. Uh, is the access to what they have um, on their phones and, and other apps that so many things and sexuality is so normalized now. Um, even though we as human beings still have something in our innate nature to not like it and kind of not like harassment and when we see somebody being unjust with somebody else. But, man, I was just talking to some brothers the other day. You know, I think I mentioned the same and I mentioned to you guys too. Obviously, without mentioning the people's names, but dude, things are getting so out of hand with Muslim youth now that they're, I mean, they send, you know, whether it's uh, any Muslim marriage app, they send nude pictures of each other too, even though they've met, known each other for 24 hours. And you'll see the same person, you know, 
dude maybe. sending like pictures to other dudes? No, no. no. <laughs> I, hopefully, it's not that way. But uh, hopefully, it's not anyway. <laughs> hopefully, it's not anyway. But I'm just saying. I just because no, no. I was going to a certain train of thought, and he bought something else that I didn't even consider. That's the problem. He confused me. <laughs> you don't do that with someone. You don't do that oh someone with ADD. You confuse the heck out of us. But uh, but no, he was like, yeah, man. You know, I thought this girl. She was really nice. She was hijabi and everything, and this and that. Twenty four, literally twenty four hours. And uh, I told her, you know, I'm not sure, and this and that. Then she sends nude pictures to me. Whoa. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, this happened more than once. I was like, are you did serious? They, did he forward them to you too? No, he didn't. But uh, <laughs> he did not. Uh, <laughs> I recall. No, I need evidence. <laughs> Collect evidence. Alhamdulillah, I don't even have any of those apps, so that's great. No, but you have to understand, like, the difference in generation is that suppose like a guy wanted to talk to a girl back, you know, even when we were in school, yeah. you had to know how to talk to girls. Yeah, if you didn't, I mean, yeah. you need to, you needed to yeah. know, say hi, what's up? What's yeah, you, know, you can't be you nervous. Know, you can't be nervous, can't be, now literally, you know, we come from like uh, the generation where like when you had to sign up even for like shadi.com yeah. or any, like, not that I did, thank God, but like, you know, when you had to do that, <laughs> you had to put like your name, your, you know, every, you know, yeah. what's your favorite interest, your hobbies, your sport. Now they swipe left and swipe yep. right. Yep. And, yeah. uh, and now they have, uh, you know, they have relations beyond. Oh, Oh, yeah, one night stands yeah. like no tomorrow. It's crazy. You don't even gotta talk to one person. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it was like it, <laughs> it, it, it reminds me. Uh, I remember it was an old French Fresh Prince of Bel Air episode, right? Where I think Will walks in and he sees some chick that he's never met, and, and they just like don't even say they run to each other and start making out. They're never met, so that's kind of how it is now. Yeah. So Fresh Prince was ahead of its time. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, we're talking about the Muslim community. And non-Muslim, yeah. co- I mean, TV shows have always been like that, showing that fake thing of love. You see somebody, all of a sudden you fall love in love with time, them. Yeah. And that's all, you know. But in the Muslim community, it's shocking that, you know, Muslim girls and Muslim guys are sending nude pictures to each other, even though they don't know each other. But outwardly, they look like they're pretty practicing. You see them yeah. in the community. Oh, so he asked, and this is where culture, another thing of culture is. And uh, he was like, he's like, okay. I get it, but what's with the hijab if you're sending nudes? I mean, I just, he actually asked for this. So she, she was she's not like, wearing like, hijab in the nudes? No, she's like, it's a culture thing. I have to wear it in public because oh. my family is like this and this and this, you know, so I can't. So it's a, it's also a somewhat of a shame thing for her not to wear hijab, right? right. So of course, the shame thing goes kind of both ways, right? Um, there's a whole lot of problems with culture, you know, and uh, that's why, uh, you know, uh, Everything everything has to be overridden by the Sharia, man, you know? Um, Since we're taking this conversation totally off yeah. the rail, you know, I, I think that this is a time right now in the world where all the catastrophe slash philosophical soul-searching versus philosophical deviance, yeah. you know, is, is getting to the point where, you know, if you imagine like, a, God, I'm going to sound like such a fob when I say this, but like uh, in, in, in India, when they used to like um, gr- uh, strain the rice, like the dry rice, yeah. they used to put it in what's called like a, a chandni, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. People still do yeah, that. Still right? yeah. So they throw that. rice on there and they just keep throwing it up in the air until all the good rice stays in, inside and all the bad rice kind of falls yeah. off by all the dust mechanical process. Play, yeah. Right, yeah. That's what's happening. Mm. I mean, it's it's crazy when I, you know, when I talk to people and uh, and, they say, and, you, and you somebody's asked them like, oh, you're Muslim and Muslim, meet them. And then the views that they have. You know, um, one one of my uh, friends is, is 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 she's Jewish, and she said to me, "You know, I met a guy over the over the weekend at a, a somewhere blah, blah, um, that gave a speech uh, addressing uh, Jesus Christ," and I was like, "Oh, that's good. He's Jesus Christ." She was like, "I'm Jewish, <laughs> right?" So, but but you know, uh, I was like, well, Mike Pence invited that guy, right? Remember at the after the the synagogue shooting? Yeah. I think he was in Michigan. And the guy he invited was a, a messianic Jew person, and and the difference is I think messianic Jews believe that Jesus was the Messiah, 
So, you know, at some point, like, they get to, they say something where it's not even part of the, the their religion anymore, right? Yeah. And that's happening so much in Islam in the youth today yeah. that they're just saying so, like, whacked out stuff. They're just like, yo, I get, like, people, you know, in our time, people used to drink and then and then say, like, oh, like, but I'm Muslim. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, it's sin, but he's still Muslim. Yeah. Now, people are saying some crazy stuff where it's like, yo, this, this, the drinking was already, you know, like kind of weird to me. Yeah. But the same, the same drinking people never ate pork, by the way. Yeah. Right? For some reason, yeah. they're yeah. like, alhamdulillah, I eat halal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Eat... Pork doesn't give you a buzz. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I've heard that so many times. Yeah, I drink, but alhamdulillah, I don't eat pork. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll give even those people a free pass. Yeah. It's the people who change the core nature of our belief into, you know, things like perennial ideas where ideas like, oh, well, you know, the person who's from a Hinduism culture, they found their truth and and um, someone from Christian world, they found their truth and the, the Jewish people, they found their truth and so on. And, and we're all coming from this, this big river of truth. We're all saved and we're all, you know, children of God. And, and I think that's it's what's very more, dangerous because yeah. that's being integrated into like mass media. Like I was just watching the show called Vikings and in Vikings, there's this uh, priest who, lives with the Nordic people who are pagans and he also lives with the the Christians who in, are in England and he he gets captured and he lives with them and he kind of understands how they're, they live, the pagans. And then he comes back to Christian England and he's like, wait, you know, some of the stuff that the pagans believed in was correct too. And he's like kind of like going between like, you know, I think they found their truth and this is something that makes sense to them and I think this kind of makes sense to you guys over here. It's kind of, you know, struggling between that world. I haven't, you know, finished the whole series or anything, so, but he's kind of like coming to the towards that conclusion or he's hinting at that, saying that, you know what, it's all this stuff doesn't really make sense or, or what what's everyone really fighting about? And I think when you notice these things kind of being integrated into the media and you see people... You know, even close loved ones will start saying, you know, well, well, why are we all at odds with each other, you know? And it's not necessary that we need to be odd at, with each other in terms of violence. Yeah. We are, our ideas and our, our beliefs are what will, they, they can completely be at odds with each other, but not at violent odds, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's still humanity involved. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that's something that's kind of really dangerous. That's kind of really weeded into our community. No, it is um, because everyone's right and no one's wrong, right? Postmodern, postmodern thought. But uh, you said something really interesting. I think it was on the Baba Ali podcast. And while you guys were talking about this idea, I was like thinking in my mind. You said it is that if that's true that everyone has a truth, then what's the point of being Muslim then? Like, why are we Muslim then? Right. Right. Why is that important? Why is it important to be Muslim if everyone's correct? Right. And just because everyone's correct, it doesn't mean you have to hate them. That's a clear distinction. Right. Rasulullah, remember, we have to put everything back in perspective. He felt very, very sad when someone couldn't be saved. Right. So we have to look out for people as if we actually really, really, and we do, we care for them because we want them to be saved. Right. Um, So it's not like, yes, my team against yours. Like, no, dude, you got to be a part of this team, bro. I found the most amazing thing I found the most beautiful thing and you have to be a part of this yeah. right and you're a great person you know uh, you know what started this whole mentality right participation trophies 
Oh. Yeah, that I am so. It's like yeah, everyone's this is the a winner. SR I wanted to oh, see. Man. This is the SR I wanted to see. Like, when you start telling four-year-old kids, yeah, everyone's a winner. No, oh. you know they're not going to be a winner. Some of these kids are going to end up homeless. Some of these kids are going to end up doctors. Some of these kids are going to end up, you know, this and some of these that that. You know, that's right. It's so funny you brought that up because this was this past season was my first experience taking my son to baseball games and and they would always be wondering after the game my my son and his friends um like who won the game and i'm like well technically you guys won but they won't say it well why not because they don't want the other team to feel bad they just want you guys to practice your skills oh that's a real thing oh yeah yeah. it's it's not like this is schools that are adopting this idea dude yeah wow i thought it was like you know liberal mumbo jumbo that or sorry not liberal but people who are anti-liberal they make fun of liberals about that you know that this whole participation story and thing and i thought it was just like uh something that uh maybe a few isolated incidences that may have happened throughout the country but it's generally happening right. even in science fairs like ar- around the school ar- around the country everyone gets a, a a ribbon they either get a third place second place or first place ribbon whereas you know when i was young i took part in one of these fairs and I didn't get one, and I'm like, man, yeah, I sucked. My my thing, I didn't really put in the effort to get. But dude, the losing, first you, yeah, sorry, man, but losing is something that's kind of necessary for development of the brain too, man. You know, you need that. You have to feel that. You have to experience it. It's like you said, it's a part of the human experience. We can't deny that and cause uh, problems later in the, in the child when when they grow up. Because they have to know how to get get back up. They, but they have to have feel that feeling too. You know, you have to feel hunger. In order to appreciate food, yeah, you have to be able to understand what winning is by losing, right? Yeah. Losing is a motivator. If it's not a motivator, then you have to counsel the child if they lose, and let them know, hey, dude, it's not in the grand scheme of things. It's not the end of the world. Just come back, and if you don't, it's fine, dude. You're still gonna be no matter, even if you lose. Even if you're zero and fifty, you're still great. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter. And everyone's hardwired to do something in this world, and you're not gonna win at everything. You win some, you lose some, and the best. Of all people, have always lost in something, right? Yes, yeah, so you have to. You sum have to up feel Sheikh Amr's point originally. It shouldn't be a surprise that you know hijabis are sending nude pics to brothers <laughs> because we have Muslims that like want to celebrate Christmas now. Like we were talking about on WhatsApp, <laughs> we want to put up Christmas tree. I mean, and I think that's the bigger issue, right? Like, like what you what you what you're seeing here with these like with these behaviors between like girls and guys. Is just a symptom of a bigger theological problem that Sim alluded to. Yeah, perennialism being one of them, it's, which it's, has been imported from the. It's funny. I read a, a post. There was a Huff Post today article about a Christian who says because of like the amount of Muslims and Christians that make up the whole world, that we never get. A, we have, the way for Christians to get along with Muslims is the, is for Christians to accept Rasulullah as a prophet. Yeah, you, I don't know if you guys saw that Huff Post article. No, or I did see it. You saw it. No, I didn't. Uh, um, and I'm like, well, and I forwarded to some of my Christian friends, and they were like, well, this person wouldn't be a Christian anymore. Yeah. And then we started talking. And I can respect that, dude. Yeah. I can respect you. Yeah. When Christians hold their ground, I respect them a right. lot, dude. And that's the same thing with Muslims. A lot of it has to do with I don't like using you know, conservative Muslim, liberal Muslim, uh, right-wing Muslim, and left-wing. Sometimes we have to use it in perspective so people understand. Right. But the dilemma with... Uh, Muslims aligning themselves with something, whether it's conservative or liberal, and saying, I'm a liberal politically and I'm a liberal Muslim. The problem with that is the liberal movement um, is something that Muslims believe has saved them. And they're a part of, if you're Muslim, you're part of the liberal. So now it's becoming like a political thing. 
And uh, oh yeah, I remember when um, recently Mahin and uh, and a couple other brothers who were, you know, talking about a lot of conservative points. They they freaked the heck out of a couple other brothers who were like, <laughs> they were like, man, we never knew these type of Muslims existed. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is like this is like seeing a unicorn for the yeah. first time. <laughs> no, and, and you know, do you, do you understand? I wasn't very articulate when I said that, but. Muslims, they sense like, yeah, we're with the liberals now. So they adopt yeah. all the idea. So their Islam is now a, a, a branch of liberalism. And it becomes very problematic, yeah. dude. Because now you have to side with people that have nothing to do with Islam. But that becomes your Islam now. That's that's one of the things that, that's occurring now. Is that, hey, we're, Mus we're Muslims and we side with the liberals. So they flourish in the liberal spectrum in, in that realm. And it becomes very, something counter- uh, you know, or contradict liberalism in the Quran, they'll definitely not like it. And it doesn't sit well with them, right? Well, it's not that. It's just that we fit the victim narrative right now. Yeah. So we're useful. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you, if some of the parties that are that are on that's liberal side, in gold, by the way, yeah. we, that's why we're useful. You know? Yeah. But once once they you know, open up a Quran and read what we write about some of the liberal, you know, like liberal liberal positions. Yeah. 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 I mean, Islam is, does not believe in f free speech. Right. Yeah. In a lot of ways, a lot of a lot of speech is sin. You know. Yeah. Um. So right. That's a beautiful point. Backbiting man. is a sin. Yeah. Slander is a sin, but under the alms of a uh, free speech, it's totally acceptable and it's your God-given right. Yeah. The same guy who's going to smite you in Islam yeah. for saying such things. So you know, these there's some of these are like ultra liberal positions. You know, uh, and especially like hate speech. It's definitely not part of Islam. Yeah. You cannot slander a person for their belief. You can't yeah. go up to Christians and say. So such and such, you can't go up to Jewish people and say such and such, or Hindus or anybody, right? Uh, Rasulullah was not somebody who insulted people. He was a genius, yeah. so, so he was able to have discussions with people and in a few words convince 1.7 yeah. billion people to be here. So, yeah. yeah. It, you know what's funny to me is that um, that we always talk about how other countries are like third world and if they had education, they wouldn't be doing these kind of things. But the way we talk in the country today yeah. is as if we never graduated from kindergarten. Yeah, I know. I mean, seriously, like the, the points people are making and you know, some of these voter interviews that they do, like, you know, did you vote for uh, Trump or did you vote for Hillary? And the arguments people are making for why they do either way, you're just like, have you ever taken the civics? Like, have you, yeah. you know? <laughs> did you even graduate junior high? Yeah. Like your point, it's not even a point. Because by the time you start, you know, when you start realizing and go issue by issue, you realize every human being, and this is the genius of Islam and the Rasulism, is that you always land somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Social welfare for all, I'm there. But who? How? What? Yes. Right? Healthcare? For sure. Right? This topic, I don't know. Do we allow these people to marry? I don't know. You know? So you can't take everything. It's a la carte yeah. versus carte blanche. Yeah. Right? You know? Right. Yes, sir. All right. Well, just like for coming through, man. Uh so, like, is there any? I know you're only the board. You're on the board of MCC. Um, would you, if there's someone from another community that you know wanted to solicit, you know, advice from you guys? Do you guys do that kind of stuff? Or yeah. So, and this is what's going to happen. This is the this is the scary part. Now, I'll, I'll make it short because I know we're running yeah. out of time. But um, one of these masjids in America is going to become the legal guinea pig, right? Mm -hmm. And then we're really going to find out what's what. Because what are the you know, ramifications of not reporting, yeah. over-reporting, under-reporting, having policy procedures, having incorrect policy procedures? Yeah. Some, there's going to be some variants of a masjid that's either halfway in, halfway out, or not in at all. That's going to get taken to court because something happened on their property, right? Yeah. What, I'm, what I'm saying to you is that it's better if we all just come together and come up with a unified response 
so that when you sue like uh, I don't know like Masjid X, then you're suing forty other masjids because we all follow the same policies and procedures and you know yeah, what I mean. Right. And so we show uh, 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 you know force of numbers. Listen, legal fights happen in three different ways. Number one, the victim is the story. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Right. Number two, the law. When people are talking about like it's my God, you know, my First Amendment right to say something, you know, constitutional crisis, right? These kind right. of things where the law is law is the thing, right? Number three, it's total media output. So a court never makes its way into a court. A case never makes its way into a courtroom, but you hear much it's struggling with, you know, bala policy and victims arising out of the, you know everywhere. You know how hmm. fast we lose that battle. Yeah. I, you know, no army of lawyers is going to help the Muslim, you know, the Muslim community beat the third narrative when when it becomes just, uh, you know, out in the media. Because we're not prepared for that. We don't have an anti-defamation league. We don't have an ACLU. We don't have, you know, we have care. I guess it's good to, I mean, maybe a care representative would be better at answering that. How yeah. would we get? But, you know, does care really want to be caught between a masjid and a Muslim? No. Mm. Right, conflict That's what, of interest. Yeah, I mean, you know, where do they are? Do they? Where is their stance on victim blaming? And you know, I'm not putting them on out on the. You know, no, I'm not, we're just I'm, thinking out loudly. Thinking and, out I mean, loudly, right? We you came with the topic, and we came with the topic, but we could talk about whatever we want. That's a beautiful thing about yeah. this, right? So, uh, you know, much is organized in, in, in that regard, and so um, I I believe at this point um, we have so many intelligent people on the boards and so many professional people that policy procedures will come through that. You know, we'll be able to investigate these things properly, at least in Chicago. I think people are very sensitive. Um, but I don't know uh, if we have a media arm that can, you know, counter uh, if somebody wants to make a negative story out of the, the the Muslim community, you know, saying these things are rampant. And one false story, right? Right. Yeah. Well, that, that's what we're, we're trying to counter, right? Because this whole thing about, you know, starting up a million different organizations about for sex abuse that, yes... No one's denying that it doesn't happen. You know that that it doesn't happen. Uh, we're, we're, what we're trying to say is that yes, it happens, but not. It's not as big as you're trying to make it out to be. It's not the the Catholic sex abuse scandal. Okay, there was a few incidences that happened, but it's not big enough to warrant these organizations' existence. Yeah, you know, and, and that's what. Like, what what's the point of of four or five different organizations opening up? You know, trying to. Uh, corner this market of Muslim sex abuse or the Imam sex, uh, the Imam Wolf, the Wolf Sheikh. Is that what? Yeah, isn't yeah. that what they call us? Yeah. Now I was just gonna say if those those organizations and they're probably already doing this, and, and I may be woefully un, un, unaware. If they just come and say we'll help you draft your policies and procedures, yeah, just was have a seat at the table. You're yeah. a big masjid. What you do matters, and if you do it, other masjids will want to follow. They suit, have to. Right? Yep. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I speak on behalf of only myself here. Yeah. But if so, they made a proposal to the masjid and said, hey, you know what? We may not agree on a lot of different things, but we, we will agree on the fact that something should be, there should be a fire extinguisher in case of a fire. Yep. And we'll help you locate it, write it, agree upon the language. You know, bring your ideas. The, the whole point is that uh, we can't be ignorant and shut everything out at the same time. You can't let every idea in. We have we have limits within our deen also, right? Yeah, right. So, um, to the extent that we can work out something, um, we're definitely open, aware, sympathetic, and we're you know we're uh, vigilant. Yeah. Inshallah, and I mean, and may Allah make it so that nobody in our community goes through something like this. I mean, the instance that somebody unfortunately does, may Allah make the custodians of the masjid um, uh, competent 
I mean, and you know, and yeah. and uh, and bring justice to the people that deserve it. Yeah. And, I don't know. Yeah. So Jazakallah for coming through. For those of you guys who know, Asrar have, has been friends with Sheikh Amr and Sim for a long time. Like, yeah. they go way back. And actually, I did Hajj with Asrar. And for all you guys out you there, you guys are Hajj guys. Yeah, 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 that's where we met. For all you guys who uh, think the Mahin Islam is a deviant, Asrar can attest that he saw me on Arafah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you what he was doing there, but I saw him there. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> so, you know, so, and as we wrap up here, uh, quick shout out to, to to the people that pay the bills here. Now, if you guys would donate to us, we wouldn't you have to hear about our sponsors. But because y'all ain't donating, we got to talk about your, your money. Go to Wahed for your money. Keep that money halal. Keep, get yourself a halal spouse. Go to halfardeen.com. And get yourself a halal. What's the last thing? A halal will, you know. So made in as little as fifteen minutes. Yes, yeah, as little as fifteen minutes for. And we have a discount code for that. Check Which it we'll out in the yeah description. Uh, in the description at mywasia dot com for uh, our special guest Asrar Ahmed and my co-host. Oh, oh wait, oh, I forgot to forget iTunes five star man. Y'all been slacking. Five star. If you guys don't want, if you guys want content still coming, y'all need to be on iTunes. Tell your friends about us. People say like we love your podcast. It's like we're, let me see your phone. Let me, you know, you know, like there's no review. Well, I don't know how to do that. It's like just Google it, man. Yeah. You know, you listen. We're the number one Muslim podcast out there as far as content downloads go, right? Yeah. And we're putting out what multiple stuff weekly. Yeah. You talk. We talking about two YouTube lives. Mad Mondays. Mad Monday, Taboo Thursdays. Taboo Thursdays. I know Sims working on some other stuff to add yeah. to the mix. On top of a weekly podcast, yeah, yeah. And, and, and also look, look, check into our Patreon as well. I know he started; he's pitching you guys the, the reviews, but now I, I don't have any more hope for you guys about the reviews. You guys aren't going to do it, but I w- <laughs> at least check out the Patreon account, patreon.com slash the Mad Mom Luke's. Yeah, if you could give everybody could give a recurring donation of hundred dollars a month, that no, would be fantastic. <laughs> that that's the top tier. Now we're starting to sound like a budget. We're hoping five to ten bucks is is something that yeah, is yet. completely within your. I means. thought Sim was going to joke like even if it's twenty five cents, say Bismillah and do it. But <laughs> no, no, no twenty five. Nah, there's nothing lower than five bucks. Five five bucks. Yeah, like it's like a Starbucks frappuccino, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you can't afford five bucks, then I just don't want your money. Just submit it to somebody else. Yeah, and and make sure you five bucks uh, a month is something fair yeah. with the amount of content we offer. I think it's unparalleled compared to any other podcast out there or any other YouTube channel out there. We just we outwork everyone. It's just the way we do it. For sure. So uh, yeah, for our special guest Asrar Ahmed, my co-host Sheikh Amir Saeed and Sim, this is Mahin signing off for the Mad Mamluks. Assalamualaikum. <laughs>